Welcome to the Reclamation Society podcast. This is Jay Shear, Executive Director and Chief Storyteller for the Reclamation Society. It's just me again. I am covering episode two of Luke Cage on Netflix all by myself. If you haven't had a chance to listen to episode one, where we talked about episode one of Luke Cage, you can find that on iTunes or Podbean. Uh, As always, there will be spoilers on this podcast. We get pretty in-depth into what's going on. So if you haven't seen episode two yet, go watch that first. Unless you don't care about spoilers, then don't worry about it. As always, love to hear your thoughts, especially since I'm doing this solo. Um, Love to hear other people's opinions and other people's perspectives on what's going on. So if you get a chance, shoot me an email at reclamationsociety at gmail.com and let me know what you think. Episode 2, the specific rating I would give to Episode 2 is about an 8. I did like it better than Episode 1, so I do think it's improving. It's going in the right direction. Um, Still, I like it about as much as I like Jessica Jones on Netflix, Season 1 of Jessica Jones so far, but we're only in episode two, so that can change a lot. I do like Daredevil um, even more, but Daredevil is one of my absolute favorites. It's my probably my second favorite um, television show of all time, so not really fair to compare it to that, but I do really like Luke Cage so far. Some of the things that I, that I loved in this episode um, were the exterior shots of the barbershop. I uh, really loved the interaction of the two guys playing chess, and I loved how they even handled text messaging in the episode. They've done that in some other shows really well, too. And I kind of like how it uses audio um, and visual cues, like the text messages popping up, to really help the story unfold. And I already mentioned the soundtrack last time, which is really fantastic. So that's cool. Uh, I really like Mike Coulter as the main actor, as Luke Cage. Um, he's very good when he's the strong, kind of silent type. Um, I do think that he's not necessarily always, um, nor should his character be asked to have complex uh, visual emotions because I think a lot of his emotion is, is kind of uh, kept to himself. So I kind of like that better than, like, for example, in this episode, again, spoiler alert, when Pop dies, um, he has to show some different emotions. He has to show sort of a different side of himself. And it, that just felt a little weird to me, but no, I don't have a big problem with it. It's just that it, most of the time he's so silent and strong and brooding um, that that was a whole other take on the character, and it was a little bit, a little bit odd for me. But let's get down into the deeper questions. I like to give you my opinion just so you know where I'm coming from. But what we really want to do in this podcast is get into some of the deeper questions. And this time, we actually do have some spiritual... Um, examples to look at in this show. So episode two, what is it telling us is true about spirituality? Um, There's this interaction where Stokes and Pop are talking and um, Pop says, what about turning the other cheek? So this is in reference to Chico and how they're going to handle Chico because Chico was a part of this uh, gun deal that went bad. Everybody ends up dying um, and... Stokes is looking for this guy to basically get his money back, but also to punish him for stealing the money in the first place and, and interrupting this deal. And that's when Pop says, well, what about turning the other cheek? And Stokes responds with, Jesus saves, I don't. And Stokes makes it clear that he's old school, um, sort of to the extent to which his code is strict and based on an eye for an eye type of interaction. 
type of justice, if you will. Um, my, my take on that is I love the fact that this is the first episode where we're starting to see um, s- spiritual integration of some sort so that we get into some deeper themes. Um, I think it comes in the, this, I mean, obviously it comes in the form of this biblical reference uh, where Jesus is reframing behavior and interaction. So this reference comes from the Bible and Jesus actually says in the Bible, um, most people will say an eye for an eye as if that's justice. But what Jesus goes on to say is that really, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer them your left cheek. And it's a portion of the Bible where Jesus is emphasizing love and understanding um, over fairness. Uh, it's a challenge. He's challenging those listening to him to rethink their behavior because what he's trying to do is he's trying to push them towards love as a means of interaction as opposed to a vindictive, vengeful sort of interaction. And so he's, I believe it's Matthew 5, he is really upending the general sense of fairness and equality and how the world should work. And he's basically saying you should love one another more and you're not doing enough to show love to one another. And so that's where this kind of spiritual reference comes out of is this teaching of Jesus Christ. And so honestly, the reference is is being used in a pretty solid way. Pop's purpose in referencing this passage to Stokes is for Stokes to rethink his killing of Chico. And he's imploring, he's imploring Stokes to show grace and love to Chico as opposed to giving Chico what he deserves. Because let's face it, I mean, Chico stole the money. Um, Chico stole, uh, killed a bunch of dudes and is starting to ruin Stokes' reputation. So honestly, if we're looking at it from a justice perspective, and if you, sh- if you, do- if you should get what you deserve... Um, is, is death the right answer for that? I don't know, but certainly some pretty big form of punishment when you've betrayed somebody like that, um, is probably equitable, so to speak. But I love this reference because it shows us that even, even hardcore people who are into, who are, I mean, uh, Stokes is really a gangster, right? So even he can make good choices and based on Pop's influence, Stokes actually agrees to parlay at the barbershop. Not necessarily to turn the other cheek, per se, but at least to reconsider his killing of Chico. Uh, which I, I really like that because it makes him more than just a two-dimensional crime lord, which I think is important, and it also humanizes him to a degree. And so I talked a little bit last episode about how I was afraid that they were going to go with two-dimensional characters that were not as fully fleshed out as a show like The Wire. I compared um, Luke Cage to the show The Wire. But this is a good example of them not doing that. So this is a good example of them using a spiritual principle um, from the teachings of Jesus to say, what if we were to go above and beyond what is justice? And what if we were to try and build relationships and not tear down our community? And uh, Stokes actually responds in such a way that is positive to that interaction. So I thought that was good. I thought that was cool. I liked the integration there. Um, the second spiritual aspect about what the story was telling us is true is uh, in Luke's quote, I ain't guilty, but I ain't innocent either. So Luke's saying it because he was in prison for a crime he didn't commit, but he's also acknowledging that he isn't perfect. I think this is fascinating and it's worthy of consideration. 
because I think it's worth asking ourselves a series of questions. And the first is, are we guilty? Are you guilty? Am I guilty? Or are you innocent? And why? Why are you guilty or why are you innocent? And if you are guilty, what are you guilty of? What moral code have you broken? Did you break your own moral code? Is there a moral code that you attempt to follow that you've broken? Um, this is a, This is a great, deep, spiritual question. I'm not guilty, but I'm not innocent either, is a statement that I, I feel like most of us could could make. We're guilty of breaking someone else's moral code. We're guilty most likely. I have not met a person yet who hasn't broken their own moral code. And we're certainly breaking moral codes of any sort of world religion that you might follow. Because those are fairly strict. And that, and that brings me to questions of, well, what does perfection look like? Um, why am I not perfect? And how do I need to wrestle with that spiritually? And I think that those are all really good questions to wrestle with because I think it takes us into um, a spirit of understanding kind of the world around us. And obviously this is a comic book property. So I love it when a comic book property can ask that in depth of a question and get us to consider it over time, which I think is phenomenal. So I really enjoyed that portion of the show. And I think that there's some truth in that question that we should all be exploring further, which is a good segue for me to jump into what is this telling us is true about human nature. And um, there's a couple things I saw. One is that this episode spent a lot of time talking about respect. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to just throw out a couple of areas where it does that and then ask the question, in what ways should we respect others? So the first way that comes up is that Luke objects to being called the N-word. He refuses to define himself that way. And I think that that has um, a very cool connotation, uh, really cool display, if you will, of self-respect and identity. It feels like that grounds Luke as a person in what kinds of activity he'll participate in. And I think that that's, I think there's a level of truth to that, right? What we identify ourselves to be will come out in us. And so if we identify ourselves to be um, villains or heroes, or like we will strive for that at a greater degree. If we feel like we're selfish or selfless, we will start to define ourselves that way as well. So I love that kind of look at respect. Um, another aspect of it is that both the police uh, and the gangsters have a respect for the barbershop and what it represents as a place of community gathering. Um, I think Pop calls it Switzerland. And we see even, um, I think that holds a, a great level of truth to it. Where are the places in our communities where um, anyone at any hierarchical tier, if you will, at any societal level can come together? And really, the more places that um, allow us to experience that, experience to put everyone um, on equal footing, right, and really treat everyone as fellow human beings, um, not as somebody who's rich or poor or has a different um, skin color than we have or a different accent than we have, but that everyone is equal. That's really, really, really important. And the barbershop, to a certain extent, has some of that um, along with it, which I thought was awesome. And, th and we saw what happened too um, when Toon breaks that respect because obviously at the end of the episode, Toon comes in, shoots up the entire barbershop. And even Stokes won't tolerate that. 
Um, because Toon's action, Toon's action in, in shooting up the barbershop was disrespectful to the community. It was disrespectful to Pop. And ultimately, it was also disrespectful even to Stokes. And obviously, Stokes deals with that disrespect directly and very violently. Um, another aspect of uh, respect that I wanted to throw out there was just respecting the process. Um, respecting experience, respecting what people have gone through before you. Um, and Stokes brings that up because he says, uh, that's the problem with these youngsters. They want it all, but they don't want to put in the work. And th there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of, there's, there's, I think we see in our world where experience is not respected. And that's kind of as a two-way street. I think sometimes we see people who have experience being disrespectful of those who don't, even when they have new and different ideas that are actually really valuable. But more often than not, we actually see people without much experience um, trying to share their ideas or trying to skip through some of the steps or some of the process to be famous or be rich or be whatever without actually having a lot of the experience doing um, what it takes to get there. So I like that. I like that kind of um, statement. Um, a couple other areas of respect. Uh, you know, Mariah Stokes tells Cornell, her cousin, um, that respect is really what she wants. She's trying to get respect, and she's obviously doing that through political means, uh, trying to gain the respect of the community by what she's able to give back to the community. But he responds by effectively telling her that respect is earned only by generating money gaining power, um, and gaining control. And I think this brings up an interesting point where respect and value are two different things when it comes to human beings. I think that we have an obligation to value all human beings, but we do respect human beings who display right thinking or right behaviors, which makes me wonder what sort of respect we should have for others. And I think this is a good place for us to stop and consider that. Um, what should others do to gain our respect? Maybe even a good question to consider as we talk about Mariah and Cornell is, you know, is fearing someone the same thing as respecting them? I think it's worth a discussion because Cornell is looking for, Stokes, Cornell Stokes is looking for respect that's going to come because people fear him. And they fear him because he is a big pillar in the community who is essentially, um, you know, dealing illegally um, in order to gain power. And through that power, he will gain the fear of those around him, and then they will then respect him. Whereas Mariah is actually trying to gain respect by doing the right things. So I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, I think it's worthy of us talking about. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So if you have a thought on that, on what is what exactly is respect, um, shoot me an email, reclamationsociety at gmail.com. Love to read it on next week's program or at least a couple weeks away. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Luke's journey and Mariah's journey because we have these two characters here and it's interesting to see them interact and to see the difference between what's going on with them. Last time in episode one, we talked about Luke's reluctance to get involved. And we talked about how villains are selfish, but heroes are selfless. A villain looks out primarily for herself or his self, but a hero looks out for the interests of others. And Luke is still walking the path of someone who doesn't want to risk everything. We don't, we're not exactly sure why he doesn't want to risk everything. We're not exactly sure 
what it is that's risky to him because obviously this guy is like pretty invincible. So maybe he wants to, um, he doesn't want to risk his, his privacy. He doesn't want to risk people taking over his life for, to make him do things that he doesn't want to do. But he does have an inherent desire to be selfless. And we can see that come out, and I'll get into that in a minute. But, but at the same time, I think we can look at Mariah, who's on the brink of turning into a villain. And of course, she's reluctant to do so, but it's these little choices that she makes that turn into bigger issues. In Mariah's case, she's giving Cornell money to improve his club, but that money went to buy guns, and now Cornell is murdering people because he throws Tone off the side of the building. And so we see kind of a contrast, right? Even as Luke is resisting, he has Pop who keeps encouraging him. You know, boys run, men stand. And then Luke wonders to himself, well, maybe I have a chance to find out what I could really be. If I were to be more selfless and care less about risking my privacy or risking whatever he's going to risk, then he could really be turned into a hero. And we see that he has this selfless heart and that he's trying, he's trying to move in that direction. We see it in a couple ways. One, we see him when Pop asks him to go on the hunt for Chico and to find Chico before um, Cornell Stokes finds Chico, he does so. He sacrifices some of his anonymity and he um, goes and does that. He also shields the boy in the barber shop when Tone shoots it up. So obviously for him, much easier if he just runs and stays out of it, but he doesn't. He stays there and shields the boy. So we'll see what how that how that changes over time. But what I like about it is that it's showing us, the show is telling what it's telling us is true, is that people become heroes and villains slowly and it's it's predominantly based on whatever worldview they have do they have a selfish worldview where they need to get what they need to get out of life or do they have a selfless worldview where other people matter as much or more to them than themselves and i like how that's taking root in the show and i think there's a lot of truth to that so i'm excited to see what happens okay that brings us into the third question which is what is episode two of luke cage telling us is true about relationships. Um, And the first thing I have on here is just a question for you guys, because I wasn't sure how to take this. And it has to do with cultures clashing. And we see that because um, we see the landlord, Luke's landlord, Connie, uh, is a pretty tough lady. She demands his rent all the time. He has not been paying his rent on time, and she is getting upset about it. And both Pop and Luke call the the Asian landlord, this this um, landlord lady is Asian, they both call her Genghis Connie. And I didn't know if that was okay. Is that funny? Is it offensive? Is it okay to be slightly offensive and funny? I don't know the answer to that question. So in terms of a culture clash like that, is it okay to call her that? Is it okay for the show to call her that? I don't know. Let me know what you think. Reclamation Society at gmail.com. Now, the other thing about relationships is our identity. Um, and this, this is probably a little bit of an overlap between spirituality, human nature, and relationships. But in this context, I wanted to think about it in terms of how do we define our own identity and how can our own identity change in relationship to how we see ourselves, right? So it's this sort of like internal focus on ourselves to see who we really are. And I wanted to bring it up because the show um, gives us a good backstory into what Pop 
used to do before the barbershop. And Pop was a gangster, and Pop went to jail. But Pop turns his life around. Now he's this huge influence in the community because of what he has done. What he's experienced, he's sure, but also how he's turned his life around. And um, when Luke says to Pop, you can't save everybody, Pop gives his own life as an example of how people can change and why um, he needs to be there for people because he's seen the change because he himself was able to change. And I think um, I, I really, really, really like that um, comparison because it, basically Pop changed his identity. He went from identifying as somebody who was going to be in the neighborhood and on the streets um, as someone who was inherently selfish and just trying to gain for themselves, then to someone who was selfless and said, what I have isn't as important as what I give back, um, which I think is fantastic. And it's this really cool kind of backstory to this character to show us how he has empathy for these um, kids in the neighborhood and how he's trying to trying to change the neighborhood from inside. And I really like that. I like that a lot. And I think we talked about earlier about heroes and villains and their relationship to selfishness and selflessness. And the truth is, just like they showcase in Pop's story, the truth is that villains can become heroes and heroes can become villains. And the reason for that is because basically, I believe, every day of our lives is a struggle in one of those two directions. It's a struggle for what identity will we be putting on for the, for the day? Do we put on the identity of someone who believes that I have to get everything I need to out of life myself um, and therefore I will impede other people's success or, or progress or um, feeling of love because I need to get what I need? Or do we give, kind of put on our selfless hats and say, look, we're all in this together, we're all trying to make it, and we should really live in stronger communities. And that, ultimately, those minor decisions that are made on a daily basis will turn us more towards being a hero or more towards being a villain, I think. And so I like this, though the show, the show dives into that, because people's lives can change. If you find yourself today and you say, look, I've been... Um, acting like a, a villain. I've been selfish for the past week. You can change your behavior tomorrow. It all comes out of what are you going to identify with? What are you going to identify yourself as? Where does that identity truly come from? Um, and I think we see that. We see it uh, in, in many different characters here. And we get to ask ourselves the questions of, well, are they making selfish decisions? Or are they making selfless decisions? And where is that taking them? Um... I love that Pop turned his life around and is now helping change the community from within. Um, obviously, I'm bummed out that Pop is no longer a character in the show, um, but we'll have to see if Luke takes over for some of that community influence, which would be awesome. Um, and he has an impact, right? Pop has an impact because Stokes is willing to talk to Pop about what to do about Chico. That's an impact. That actually has a hero in the community taking the time to go to a villain in the community and get the villain to make a more selfless decision as opposed to a selfish decision. And I think even at the end when we see Cornell Stokes crying, he's probably crying for a couple of reasons. One, he's killed his friend, Tone, um, and that does truly make him a villain but he's also, I think, mourning Pop's death. And we mourn the death of heroes because without heroes, the entire world 
become selfish. And I think we all inherently know and desire to have people around us who are selfless. So that's a question you can leave for yourself at the end of the day. Um, you know, do you want to be more selfish? Do you want to be more selfless? And what would that look like in your life? And I have no clue what it would look like in yours, but I definitely know that as for me, I would love to be more selfless. I wish um, that I wasn't as selfish as I am, but I do think, um, you know, in my definition of truth, a lot of us uh, are inherently selfish and we're born that way. Um, and it's, it's, we have to find things to be able to overcome that. That's it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe and we're going to be talking more about Luke Cage on Netflix. We have a Stranger Things series that we're also doing. I just purchased the Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. I'd love to do a podcast on that as well. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on iTunes or Podbean, because we're going to have lots of material coming out, lots of material coming out very soon. Love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Undoubtedly, I've said something really dumb and you would love to um, tell me that I'm an idiot. Or I've said something cool and you love it and you want to talk to me about it. Love to have that happen. And in fact, I'd love to read some of your feedback on one, on a future podcast. So please write to us at society at gmail.com. In the meantime, um, there's lots of cool storytelling out there. Just make sure that you look at it a little bit deeper, question it, and figure out where the truth lies. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.